All right, so we are going to be in week three. Everybody say week three. Okay. Okay. Listen, listen, listen. Listen, that was okay. That was okay. I'm not going to have you repeat a lot of stuff, but I need just, 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 just a little. Again, I ain't got no Mountain Dew with me today, so I just need a little bit of energy back. So everybody say week three. Week three. Of a series we're in called The Freedom of forgiveness. This has been uh, a phenomenal, phenomenal series. I hope you've enjoyed it. For those of you who have been here uh, for the past two weeks, either you've been watching here or watching online, uh, this is a series, again, not on the, the forgiveness of our sins, but on us having to forgive other people. And so what I want to do really, really quick is I just want to kind of recap very, very briefly for just a couple minutes what we've talked about for the past two weeks. For those of you, again, you maybe haven't been here the whole two weeks, maybe you only came to one, uh, maybe you weren't paying attention when I was teaching. Maybe you didn't take notes, so it was hard for you to remember, whatever it may have been. I just want to kind of recap and help us, again, remember the foundational stuff. Because today I'm not going to really talk about something that's foundational. I'm going to kind of give you something that's really deep and, uh, again, very, very almost almost sensitive to a lot of people. But I think it's going to bring us healing and it's going to be good for us. So what we talked about on week one was called the pain of unforgiveness. And we kind of looked at, again, when you are holding a grudge in your heart against somebody, it's bringing you pain. Not bringing them pain bring a new pain. We kind of talked about why do we need to forgive. And then last week for week two, we kind of just looked at some very, very practical things that we can do to help us forgive them. We titled it How to Forgive. And we also kind of looked at some foundational truths on forgiveness. So today for week two, it would have been very easy. And I almost did this today. I almost kind of, again, I did this series for the youth and I almost changed this message entirely. Um, But it would have been really easy for me to talk about where we just prayed about kind of that dynamic between Heavenly Father and Earthly Father and kind of really teaching and giving some biblical input and biblical principles uh, for those of you who that's a struggle and kind of helping us remember, like, well, like I was saying when I prayed, that we can't view our Heavenly Father through the lens of our Earthly Father, that our Heavenly Father is different. He's holy. Um, but I, I, I didn't feel the release and the peace from God for me to teach that message because I feel like and I believe that there is somebody else in your life that is more important to forgive, and that's you. That the most important human being in your life that you need to forgive is you. Why, Pastor Braden? Because if you can't forgive you, you can't forgive them. If you can't forgive you, you're never going to be able to forgive them. So we're going to talk about how to forgive ourselves. So the title of my message this morning, if you're taking notes, is Look in the Mirror. Look in the the mirror. We're going to be uh, in Romans 5. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Romans 5. I'm going to take me a little sip of water real quick. Romans 5, Romans 5. So I want to take one more little little ministry moment for a couple of uh, specific people because this is not, this is going to relate to a very, very small percentage of people in the room, but I don't want to look over them and miss them. For those of you in the room who were abused, not, really, not just by your father, but maybe you were abused by a coworker, an aunt, an uncle, a mother, uh, an ex-spouse, or whatever it may have been. You were abused in some way, physically, sexually, emotionally, verbally, spiritually, mentally, whatever. You were abused in some way. I need you to hear me say this morning that it was not your fault. We have way too many people looking in the mirror, blaming themselves for what somebody else did. So if you were abused this morning, I don't know who, this may be one person in the room. Maybe none of y'all even in the room. Maybe it's somebody online. I don't know. But I need you to hear me say that what they did to you was not your fault. That you shouldn't be blaming yourself 
for their sin against you. And I hope that this, this, this entire message will help you kind of release that uh, over to God and get us some healing. And so what we, I, I got I to I get some honesty in the room, okay? So, again, if you're, if you're going to be fake today, then you came to the wrong church this morning, okay? I want some honesty in the room. I want you to raise your hand if you talk to yourself. Raise your hands, raise your hands. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Everybody, all right, y'all, y'all tell the truth. All right, you can put your hands down, you can put your hands down. Okay, whoo, y'all, y'all don't, the weight just kind of just fell. Okay, I, my hand too. Um, if, if God were to show you a transcript of everything you said about you to you, a lot of you, it would be full of guilt, shame, anger, hatred, just in what you said to yourself about yourself. And this is why I feel like this is such an important message because most of you have probably never even heard a message on how to forgive you. You just, you just, people just like, you know, no one really talks about it. It's kind of like the forgiveness in general. It's just supposed to be expected. And a lot of us, we talk to ourselves in a demeaning, angry way. And what we're doing is we're forcing ourselves to hate the creation, and if you hate the creation, you can't love the creator. It's impossible. You can't love the creator and also hate what he created. And this is why I think it's so important that we learn how to forgive ourselves first. And I've got some Bible to prove it. Some of y'all like on the fence about like, I don't know if that's right, Pastor Brady. I got, okay. Okay. I got Jesus talking a little bit. Okay. But I want to read just one verse from Mark to kind of help us start this entire message. Mark. 8, verse 36, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? What do you benefit if you gain everything? If you gain everything that you think that you want or you need, but you lose you. God loves you too much for you to lose you. He does. And this is where, like, this is kind of like, one of the extremes that, that some Christians go to is that they need to be miserable and have a terrible life for someone else to have joy. That's not the life that God wants to empower you to live. God doesn't want you to be miserable so they would be happy. That's not how it is. Your soul, just because you're a Christian, doesn't mean God doesn't love you anymore. And we don't ever say that or think that, but for some of us, that's how we live. But okay, I'm a Christian, I got saved. Now I need to be miserable so somebody else can be happy. Like I said a couple of weeks ago with the offering talk, now I need to be broke with financials, and God's not going to prosper me. God's not going to bless me. God's not going to give me nothing because I'm a Christian. I'm going to give away. God does not want you to lose your own soul. So write this point down. I can't forgive them but forget me. I can't forgive them but forget me. And for many of us, the reason why... Like, many of us have, like, a list of people that we hate in our minds, like a list of people that we need to forgive. And for many of us, your name's at the top of your list. And you just read over it every single time. You just skip it. Every, every time we're going over the people, we've been in this whole entire series, and you've been trying to go through the people that you need to forgive, and you keep forgetting you. And many of us are so afraid to, to try to begin to forgive ourselves because we don't think we deserve it. 
And so because we don't think we deserve it, we're afraid to bring all, because you know what you did. You know what you said. You know how you meant it. Like, you may not completely know, like, because we don't know what they're going through when they hurt me. They may have been struggling with something. But you know what you did and what you were going through. And so many of us were really scared to bring ourselves to God and reveal ourselves to God because we're afraid that God's going to be mad at us for what we did. But he already knows too. You can't forgive them but forgive me. And so we have this thing that's called the paradox of pride. And that's the reason, like, for many of us, the reason why we don't forgive ourselves is because we don't humble ourselves. Because pride, I, I did this teaching a couple, like, I think it was this last Wednesday, but pride is not just arrogance. A lot of us, we want to limit pride to just being arrogant and thinking we're better than everybody. Arrogance is a form of pride. Pride in its entirety is thinking you're the center of everything. You can be insecure and prideful. In fact, let me say it this way. When you are insecure, you're being prideful because you think for some reason everybody's focused on you. And so the reason why we don't forgive ourselves sometimes is because we have a pride issue in the way. We won't let ourselves get out of the way and let God make his way into our heart. And so we have this thing called the paradox of pride because pride says, I don't need anybody's help. I can do it on my own. I got it. And you say that on the front end. You look confident on the surface. Everybody thinks you're confident, but when you go home and you're in your bed, you're insecure. So you're, you're, you're prideful. You're exalting yourself, but then you're insecure. And the flip side of that, when you humble yourself and say, I'm nothing without God. I, I am absolutely nothing without God. And you humble yourself. Then God comes in. And what does he do? He makes you confident about who you are. No, Pastor Brandon, I don't believe that. Matthew 23. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. So the reason why many of us don't forgive ourselves is because we don't humble ourselves first. So write this point down. Forgiving myself begins with humbling myself. Forgiving myself begins with humbling myself. Because what we do, again, whenever we don't go to God with what we've done, we're focusing on us. You're focusing on what you did and not who he is. You're focusing on what you said to them and not what he said about you in his word. You're focusing on you, on you, and what is that? That is pride. But when you humble yourself, then you can begin to walk in the forgiveness process for yourself. And then a lot of us, it's really, really funny because a lot of us, we like, we don't humble ourselves. And then we're feeling insecure or we're feeling upset about ourselves or whatever it may be. And we're struggling to forgive ourselves. And then we blame God when it was our fault that we didn't read the Bible. Or it was our fault that we don't worship. Like, oh, I, don't, I don't need to do none of that praying stuff. I don't need none of that. I don't need to do none of that worshiping stuff. And you're mad at God for the way that you feel when it's your fault. Forgiving myself begins with humbling myself. So I'm going to read a, a quick little passage uh, that's very, very popular, very, very famous, which is why I did not have you turn to this passage. I had you turn to Romans 5 uh, that we're going to talk about later in the message. But Roman, or Matthew 22, verse 34 says this, But when the Pharisees 
heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, or the Sadducees, however you want to pronounce it, with his reply. They met together to question him. Again, so the Pharisees were people who at the time, they believed in God. They just didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. So they believed that a Savior of the world and a Messiah was going to come one day. They just didn't think Jesus was him. That's who the Pharisees are. So they're mad at Jesus because Jesus is saying, I'm the Messiah. And all of Jesus' disciples are saying he's the Messiah. And they're angry because they don't really think it's him. So they got together to question him. Verse 35, one of them, an expert in religious law. Again, they knew the, old, they knew the Bible. They knew the Old Testament. They, they believed in God. He tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, <clears throat> which is the most important commandment? In the law of Moses. If you're really the Messiah, you should tell me the most important commandment. In verse 37, Jesus replied, You must love the Lord with all the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And at this point, the Pharisees were probably like, Okay, yeah, he's right. He got it. He got it. Okay, you're right, Jesus. You're right, you're right. So at this point, they're they're kind of like a little insecure about themselves, the Pharisees. They got proved wrong. And Jesus keeps going. I love verse 39. Verse 39 says, a second is equally important. Everybody say equally. Equally Equally important as loving God with everything is loving your neighbor as yourself. We so often miss those last two words. Because we only think about, I'm going to love him and I'm going to love them. But you can only love them as much as you love you. These are connected. They're not separate. This is, why, this is the picture of the cross. The cross is vertical, loving God, horizontal, loving others, and it's connected in the center, loving you. You can't love you and hate them. Like if you ever meet somebody who is really hateful to other people, they're secretly insecure. And I know because I was one of them. But anybody... Anybody that you find that's trying to, uh, if they're, you're, you're trying, if they're trying to bring people down. And everybody knows somebody like this, whether they're in your family or they're in your work or they're sitting next to you. You know somebody like that, okay? They're always trying to bring people down. It's because they're secretly insecure about how they feel about themselves. So you can't love me. I can't love me and hate them. You can't love them and hate you because if you hate you, you can't really love God. And the only way you can truly love them is if you truly love him. They're all three connected. It's not, okay, you know what? I'm fine with loving God. And I guess I'm okay with loving myself. I mean, but I really don't want to love them. You can't. That's not an option. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try to love me and I'm going to love them, but I don't want the whole God thing. That whole Bible thing is just not, you won't ever be able to truly love them. Wow, like I said earlier, you can't love the creation and hate the creator. It's all three connected. So write this point down. Self-hate is a faith issue. Self-hate is a faith issue. If you view yourself as unworthy, then you're also stating that God is not good enough to create someone who's worthy. Like you're, you're, you're basically, okay. if you hate yourself, you're saying God made a mistake. But you're then saying God is not perfect. So you're basically saying God isn't real. So if you're struggling with self-hate, it's a faith issue. Because it's, it's literally physically impossible 
you to hate who God has created you to be. You can't do it. You can try, but if, so, if we would begin to truly have a relationship with God and let him reveal to us who we really are, you wouldn't be able to hate yourself because God doesn't make mistakes. You would not be, if you would, and the reason why some of you hate yourself is because you're not listening to who God says you are. You're listening to who you say you are or who they say you are, or who Instagram says you are, or who TikTok says you are. You're listening to everything else except for what God says you are. And if you would begin to, this is, and I'm not trying to like, condemn you and say, oh, you're a terrible Christian. I'm just saying your faith isn't strong enough. And many of us, it's not that, like some of us were constantly in a state of insecurity. For some of us, it just depends on the day. Like some days are good and I have a bad day or whatever. But if you are having any form of self-hate, however significant or insignificant it is, it's a faith issue. Write this next point down. Selfless forgiveness starts with selfish forgiveness. Selfless Forgiveness starts with selfish forgiveness. When you begin, because remember what we said earlier, okay? It starts with humbling yourself. And this seems like they're, they're, they're not coexisting with each other. Like, you want me to humble myself, but you want me to, to be selfish in my forgiveness? When you first understand that you are worthy of being forgiven, it helps you better understand that they're worthy of being forgiven. It starts with you. And just... Because, and the reason why, is because you know what you did. For many of us, nobody in the world has a lower opinion of you than you do. You, you're, you're, you're the one that thinks worst about, you're your own worst critic. And so if you would get to the point where you would forgive the lowest person on earth, which you think is you, everybody else would be easy. It starts with you. Again, you can't love them, but also hate you. So what happens, so there's, there's two different, there's two different things. We either hate ourselves or we love ourselves. When we hate ourselves, it brings us three, three different types of feelings. So you can write this down if you're taking notes. When you hate yourself, you feel guilt, you feel shame, and you feel isolation. Guilt, shame, and isolation. Now guilt and shame, we think, we kind of put those always at the, together, and it almost is like they're the same. But they're a little different in that guilt Guilt is feeling bad about what you did. Shame is about feeling bad about who you are. Many of us, you're ashamed because you're identifying yourself by what you did or identifying yourself by what you said or you're identifying yourself by what happened to you. Guilt, shame, and isolation. Uh, we're going to read from verse 5 again, I mean Romans 5. If you have your Bibles, you can pull those out. We're going to start in verse 6. Romans 5 verse 6 says this. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still Sinners, this, is, this is, helps me prove my point that I said last week, that the true way to love someone is to give your life for them even though they don't deserve it. That, that's why Jesus tells us over and over again, love the people who are hard to love. Because when you love the people who are hard to love, then you're really acting like Jesus Christ. 
Verse 9. And since we have been made right in God's sight, by what? By the blood of Christ, not by your works. Like some of you are are living performance-driven faith. You think that God is only going to love you as long as you do the right thing. But I need you, this is one of like 500 verses I could have used for this specific point. You were only made right in God's eyes because of what Jesus did for you. By the, blood of, by the blood of Christ. He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God, VBS plug right there, our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, while we still didn't deserve it, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. And verse 11, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship. This is why we get loud at church. We're going to rejoice with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. What an awesome statement that we are friends of God. So ahending ourselves brings us guilt, shame, isolation. When we begin to really truly understand and believe who God has created us to be, we begin loving ourselves, and it brings us this, grace, salvation, intimacy. When you begin to love yourself, it cancels out all the other feelings that hating yourself brought you. So when you hate yourself, you feel guilt, which is feeling bad about what you did. Loving yourself, you have grace, which is God saving you for what you did, which was sin. God saved you for what you did. Salvation is that God saved who you were. What is shame? Shame is hating you for who you were. And then intimacy is a relationship with God. And what is hating yourself bring you? Isolation. So every time you begin to love yourself, and once you get to the point where you're truly confident, not in who you are, but in who God says you are, all those feelings of guilt, shame, and isolation are canceled out by the feelings of grace, salvation, and intimacy. Intimacy. And what is intimacy? You can write this definition down if you would like to. Intimacy is close familiarity or friendship, which we just read in those verses, or closeness. God's not far. And the reason why so many of us struggle with our faith is because if you were to write down, like, characteristics of your faith in God, some of you intimate would not be up there. You're not really close. Like, for some reason, many of us live a life thinking that Jesus dying for us was a get-out-of-hell-free card. That's all it was. I'm just going to make sure I don't go to hell, and I'm going to get to heaven. Boom, I'm saved. That is, I tell this to my students all the time. Getting to heaven is the lowest level of blessing God has for your life. (laughs) Oh, y'all don't like that one. Let me help you. Getting to heaven is great. Heaven's going to be phenomenal. Heaven's going to sound a little bit like what worship was sounding like today because we brought heaven down to earth. It's going to be amazing. But getting to heaven is step one. There is so much more Jesus says he came to give us rich and satisfying life here. Not there, here. So getting to heaven is amazing. But some of you, your faith has been the same for 20 years because you're not intimate with God. Your faith hasn't changed. And that's why I'm so proud of some of these teenagers is I'm physically watching them grow at such a young age. They're getting intimate with God already. Like believing (laughs) 
Oh, I love the Bible so much. Believing in God is great. But the Bible says even the demons believe in God. So if all you do is believe in God, you have the same faith level as demons. (laughs) You have the same faith level as demons. Everything, everything that God does for us, everything that God does for us is for a relationship with him. Everything that every blessing, every, every, he's trying to get us towards relationship with him. God did not send Jesus just to get us to heaven. He also sent Jesus to restore us in relationship with him. So I got this little illustration that I want to show you all of how some of y'all look spiritually. Let me make sure I got my, my mirror. This is a really fancy mirror right here. This is my wife's mirror right here. Oh, there we go, there we go, there we go, there we go, there we go. All right, so here's what happens, though. Here's what happens. So what happens in our life is things happen, and, 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 it, and, it, and, it, and it gets on us. So our father abused us, or our father, he abandoned us. My mom made me feel like a disappointment. My dad, he, he was never really there for me. I mean, he was there, like physically, he never really cared, and some of them, some of them fall off because some of them really aren't that big of a deal. But we, we just want to make sure. No, I got to pick this one back up. I got, I got, I got to pick this offense back up real quick. Got to make sure I'm going to offend. And this person, this person, this person voted for a, a different president than I did. How could they do that? Just, that's crazy. This person doesn't like the same football team that I do. I need these stickers to stick right now. <laughs> this person just. This person was worshiping loud at church. How could they dare do that? They're talking about forgiveness at church. So dumb. I don't need to forgive anybody. So I, 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 nope, I got to pick this offense back up because I'm too, I'm too, yeah, I'm, I'm going, there we go, there we go. And so what happens is things happen in our lives, and what it does is it just leaves, it leaves a mark. Some of you spiritually look this goofy, and you think nobody else sees it, but everybody notices that you're carrying offense. And the reason why you can't see it is because you're so busy holding the mirror this way. Some of y'all might get blinded, so just cover your eyes. But you're, look what you did. Now, look what you said. Like, you read the Bible but you read the Bible so you can tell them what they're doing wrong. You're not obeying God's word. You're not worshiping right. You're doing this wrong. Look what you said. Look how you treated me. And if some of you would look in the mirror and turn it around, and go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I do. You know what? Everybody keeps telling me I got a bad attitude. But you know what? I do got a bad attitude. Everybody keeps trying to tell me my kids are bad. I just don't want to listen to them. But you know what? They are bad. Look at them. Look at them. <laughs> hey, I am bitter. I am a little bitter sometimes. I do got a bad mouth. I do need to stop cussing. I, I do. Really, I'm just, I am, I'm just a negative person all the time. I am. You're right. And what we do, when you get to look in the mirror, you get to see all the, what does the Bible say? The Bible says, don't tell someone to take a speck out of their eye when you got a tree trunk in yours. And some of you are so busy looking at everybody's specks. And you don't realize what you're going through, what you're dealing with, because you won't look in the mirror. 
So now the question is, Pastor Braden, how do I look in the mirror? <laughs> I got an answer for you. You ready, 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 ready? Read your Bible. God's word is a mirror to everything. And when I say read your Bible, again, I don't say read it so you can prove someone wrong. Like some of you think that because you graduated high school with like a 4.0 or because you got a college degree that you can like understand the Bible on your own knowledge. And some of you are trying to read the Bible without God. You don't pray. You don't really take, you're, <laughs> you're living a checklist Christianity life. I came to church today. I read my Bible today. It took me like two minutes, record time. I prayed today. I listened to my three worship songs for the week. I'm good. What are you not doing? You don't have intimacy with God. And so if you want to learn how to, how do I forgive myself, Pastor Braden? How do I begin to stop judging others and fix myself up and get to where I can be you? Because what you're doing is you're blocking your own purpose. You're in the way of you. And God is wanting you to get out of the way. All you got to do is read your Bible. The Bible has it all. Everything that God says about you, everything that God needs from you, all the principles you got to apply in your life. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, all scripture, even the Old Testament books that just have a bunch of names in them, all scripture, and the ones you don't want to read, the ones you get bored with, all scripture. But Pastor Brayden, how do I learn from all these Old Testament books that you ask God to teach it to you? <laughs> if you would ask God, some of you are just trying to figure it out for yourself, but you've got to ask God to teach it to you. It's inspired by God and is useful to teach us not teach them, teach us what is true, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Not what's wrong in their lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. Some of you just don't want to admit you're wrong. What is that? That's pride. Getting in the way of you forgiving yourself teaches us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. The Bible is your answer. If you're in here and you're struggling with forgiving yourself, whatever it may be, whatever you did, whatever you think you did, whatever you're struggling with, the thing that you need to do is read your Bible. Start developing that personal, close relationship 